computer. Sweet. Okay, cool. So this is episode number four. Still coming up with a name. Maybe you can help me out, Roy, with a name. <laughs> but uh, it might be just the SW Dealers Pod or Conversations with Top Performers or something like that. We'll figure it out. Late night with Jack Wheeler. <laughs> Late night with, yeah. We should start doing these at midnight with a glass of wine or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah. Today's going to be awesome. So we got uh, Roy Clancy here today. So Roy just finished his fourth summer was a top first year, grew by I think like 4,000 or close to that going into a second summer and then grew to like, grew by like 8,000 to like 13,000 the last two summers. And he's been the number one American producer for the last two years in a row. <laughs> Roy's smiling because I'm so sorry. I introduced him to like a bunch of people that already knew that as a joke. <laughs> so um, yeah, dude, excited. What it, what's cool. up? What's up? How's your uh how's your Friday going, Jack? It's pretty good. How's the weather out there in Oklahoma? Yeah, this is really good content. It's a little cold. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know. Probably not as cold as Colorado though. No, I'm, in, I'm in Arizona, but oh nice. Plus, Arizona's yeah. gotta be warm. That's cool. Who are you are you out there alone or with someone else or? Yeah, I just pitched a tent, found a little spot in uh in Phoenix. I've been chilling. It's been yeah. nice. I'm sure the people in Denver taught you how to be homeless pretty well. Yeah, no, it's been good. No, I'm living <laughs> with uh, living with a couple book guys from TD. So it's been oh awesome. nice. I've heard of them. I think. Yeah, that that's like group. Matt Ross, right? Yeah, you heard of that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something. For sure. Kind of, you know. Yeah, he's a yeah. I don't I don't really know much about him, but. He seems all right. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> I was good. Matt's awesome. All right. Well, cool. Let's go ahead and jump in. So there's a couple things I want to ask you about for sure. Um, so one, I, I want to ask you about kind of your first summer, second summer. Want to talk about some sales stuff. We're also going to get into some like mindset, recruiting stuff at the end, failure. Should be pretty fun. The, the first thing I wanted to dive into you about though is kind of, so your first summer, you did what, about 1800 units or something? Yeah, I did 1900. I'm looking at uh, the canvassing chart. So okay. 1963. 1963. Okay, cool. And I know you were on the number one team in the world your first summer. Yeah. Yeah. Shane's so, team. Shane's team. So you were like, you were, were you like the number? Cause I know Tim was, yeah, y'all's top rookie, right? Uh, Phil Fossbender, actually. Oh, Phil. And then, uh, yeah, it was Phil, me, then Tim, and then my brother. Oh, you uh, beat Tim? Yeah, but like barely. Nice. Like, we were, <laughs> That's all that matters. That's all I was, <laughs> all I was gunning for was to beat yeah. Tim. And then Alex Whitehead and yeah, and the rest of the guys. Okay. Yeah. Good, good squad. So, um, so after that first summer, you know, 19, obviously 1900 ish, you didn't, you know, probably come back to the meetings like as the number one superstar in the company, but you had to be feeling good being top first year in like number one team in the world. So what did you kind of, what was your mindset after your first summer? How'd you feel? Were you like, fully proud of yourself? Were you like disappointed in your result or like, yeah, I guess, how'd you feel after your first summer? Yeah. I mean, I, I was really proud just to stick it out. And cause that first summer for me was super emotional. Like the first four or five weeks were super tough, but I was really excited for the second summer. Cause excited slash scared. Cause I knew what I was getting myself into for the second time, you know? Yeah. But I definitely didn't have the feeling of like showing up to meetings and, you know, nobody, 
it's not like anybody saw you on the pace set or things like that. So, yeah, which was fun. Yeah. I feel like that's like, honestly, probably a pretty healthy way to go into your second summer Yeah, <laughs> when yeah, you're definitely. just like, you're kind of like, all right, no one knows who I am, you know, cause it feels a little more drive or at least I remember it for me. It did. It was like, I'm going to be one of those people. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You kind of feel like the underdog a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's like classic Rocky syndrome. Um, okay. So then going into your second summer, you obviously like, I'm not sure when you kind of win or what type of goals you decided to set. But I think most, if we have bees listening, most bees would be like, man, if I could grow by 4,000 units, that'd be pretty sweet. Um, yeah. So you grew from like 1,800 to, I have like 5,600 on here. Is that right? Or what'd you? Right around there. Right around yes. there. Okay. So when did you kind of start letting yourself think big like that? Talk about, tell me about a little bit about your, your mental preparation going into that summer. Cause I think sometimes it's hard going into a new summer, like, realistically thinking that you can triple your summer so uh yeah, yeah. How, how did you kind of mentally get yourself there was it pcs conversations hanging out with other top producers what kind of helped you think bigger yeah well <clears throat> i heard it was at some some meeting one of the sales managers was talking about like when you're making your goals for your second summer try to calculate like what your expenses would be for the whole year mm. and what are the things that you'd want to spend your money on and um, calculate how much that would be and then divide it by however much, you know, we were getting for units at the time. It was like six bucks. So that's kind of how I came up with my goals. And I think it came out to, it came out to like 5,000 something units, like 5,600. And then I just added 1,100 to it. Cause I was like, eh, why not think big, <laughs> but I had like, uh, my no matter what goal was like, I think 3000. Cause I was like, if I could increase a thousand units, I'd feel good. That, that's kind of like my, yeah, that's what my, my mindset was. And then mm-hmm. but selling like 6,000 units to me was like huge, you know, like I couldn't really wrap my brain, like wrap my mind around that. Yeah, totally. So, <laughs> so it sounds like you didn't do a ton of like uh, looking at past performance to set a goal for future performance. It was more just like, what would be awesome to do? And then that was how you set yeah. the goal. Yeah. I was like, how much money do I want to have? Like, <laughs> I'm going to pay my bills this year. Okay. Then let's, let's set it there. That's okay. So walk me through how then you, like, how do you come up with a strategy to do that? Um, or like, how did you wrap your mind around? Cause sometimes like, I've been a victim of this and I know a lot of other people are too, but of it's sort of hard to um, provide evidence that you can hit a really big goal when the past evidence isn't really there. So is your, does that make sense? So if, is your mind kind of wired where you're just like, uh, it doesn't really matter what I did in the past. Like if other people can do it, I can do it. Or was there oh, specific not- stuff that you did to like get yourself to feel capable to do that? That's not true at all. Like uh, for, for me, I mean, there was always the doubt. The doubt is always going to be there. So, I mean, even third summer, tons of doubt as to whether or not I, I would hit that goal. It wasn't like a, oh yeah, I said it, I'm definitely going to hit it. Like no matter what, you know, it's just, uh, that wasn't realistic for me. I mean, I, I tried to like brainwash myself into believing that, but there's always going to be a little bit of doubt, you know? Yes. So I remember... I think it was when I was creating my seventh step going into my second summer, I just, I had the goal of, well, first couple of weeks, you know, you're kind of just getting started. And I was like, I, I feel like I could sell 
300 units. If I did that the first couple of weeks, then I could start building some traction. So like my seven step went from like 300 to 350. It was like basically increments of 50 units per week okay. up to about, I think 800 units was like man, 800 units the last week. That'd be awesome. And then that, <laughs> yeah. that equaled like 6,000 for the summer. So it was kind of just like throwing numbers out there. I just get a little bit better every single week, learn how to sell a gold package extra on top of whatever I did the week before then I'd hit my goal. So that was kind of like breaking it down into bite-sized pieces and helping it be something realistic instead of just saying, yeah, I'm going to hit PC every single week this next summer when I'd never done it before. So yeah, for me, the, I remember the first week I just wanted to do better than I did my best week, my first summer. And then it was the same mindset. My third summer was, I just want to do every week. I want it to be better than my best week, my last summer. Yeah. Cause I already had the belief that I could do it. Cause I did it, you know? Yeah. 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 So, the, so it's kind of like you, your starting point week one was like best week previous summer and then Which get better like right around 400. Yeah. And then just improve on that. So, and obviously, you know, there's luck that goes into it too. I don't, I feel like it, it's impossible to take all the credit for, you know, who knows really what goes into everything. You can prepare as much as possible. Um, you can get your sales talk down, show up to all the meetings and maybe not have the summer that you wanted to have, you know? Yeah. So if you're only focusing on how much you're selling, you're going to have, you might have a miserable summer just because if, is that really what you're trying to gain? Like, obviously it's, it's important and it feels good. And I'd be naive to say like, yeah, it doesn't matter how much you sell over the summer. Cause I don't fully truly believe that. I think it's just like an indicator that you're on the right path, you know? Yeah. So is, is that like, when you're saying, saying that part, is it more like putting in facet that sometimes you have to just accept that what happens to you is what was supposed to happen to you, like a more fati kind of thing? Or is it more like that you, you want to sell this much, but it's more important that you develop blank character trait or whatever. Um, yeah. So I guess elaborate on kind of what you mean in terms of like, that the sales isn't the, isn't the only thing that matters because there's these other factors. Yeah. I, I feel like that's the goal, right? The goal is the sales don't matter. I'm here for growth and I'm here to develop myself as a person. Like, like mm -hmm. you can do the whole like 30 years from now when I'm talking about my Southwestern experience as someone, I'm not going to remember how much I sold and that's not what's going to be important to me. Yeah. In the moment it's, a lot harder to keep <laughs> and maintain that mindset. Yeah. Right. So it's like, that's like the vision. That's like the, uh, the standard, right. Mm -hmm. To try to hold yourself to. But if you just went into the next summer being like, well, I just want to grow more. And then you don't do any preparation at all, technically, or, you know, coming up with a plan or your goals and things like that, then I feel like that's just, you know, wasted time then you should be improving every summer. It just kind of makes sense. Like if you're a better person, if you're more confident, if if you're convicted in what we do and and uh, the impact that it's had on your life and for the families that you're serving over the summer, then you will improve in sales, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I agree. Having a plan is important too. You know what I mean? So it's like, I yeah. could sit here and say, oh, it's all about the growth and the character development, which it is. But then there's like, the side of you that wants the results, wants the recognition, yeah, you know, wants to, 
Yeah, I, I guess, and I totally agree with that and and get that part. I guess more what I'm kind of dialing in on a little bit is the part where you're saying like some of it is luck. Is that like a way for you to take the pressure off that like you are the sole producer of the results? Is that a way for you to kind of like be like, all right, I'm going to do my best and like hope that it works and like maybe I'll get lucky and have a great summer or like, what was <laughs> and then if it doesn't it take off the pressure or what do you, what do you mean? By yeah. Everything's just predestined to happen as it was. Um, no, I don't believe that. I mean, I say there's a little, there's a, there's a little bit of luck that goes in with anything, but it's because of the work that you put in mm. the more work you put in the luckier you get, you know? Yeah. The the quote, like yeah. my first week, my second summer, I ended up hitting the goal that I wanted to hit, which was beating my best week for my first summer. Yeah. So I was like, okay, broke that barrier mm-hmm. or, you know, hit that first step. And then I was like, all right, what's next from here? So it was like president's club is next from here. Right. It's yeah. so like, then that was the goal. And then my second week I went out and I hit 400 again, but because my sights were on a higher target, I was like frustrated and pissed. I was like, I remember at the Sunday meeting having a PC with Grace Westfall and I was like, I just want to hit PC. Like, that's all I want to do. And she was just like, I feel like you're putting way too much pressure on yourself to, to hit that. And then, yeah. you know, she brought it back to the character development and all those things. And then the third week I doubled that second week just because some things started to click. It's like, for me, it was just the buying line. I was, I was spending too much time with people that were non-prospects that weren't interested. Yeah. And I was spending too long in the house when they were already a buyer. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like that clicked. I had one customer that bought from the slick and they bought like, you know, more than I had sold in a package. They were just like, yeah, we'll take that, this and this. I was like, oh my gosh, maybe more people can do that. Right. Yeah. So you just get better at, you know, closing, meeting people where they're at and then, you know, closing them when they're over the buying line and, and getting out of houses quicker. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. So, so your second summer, it was, it was mainly like you, you kind of reverse engineered what you'd want to make. You figured kind of that start with what you're capable of doing and then reasonably you should get better each week. And a healthy way to do that for you to think about that mentally was like, well, I could just add one gold package each each week. Um, Sometimes I've found that that can be a helpful way to make bigger unit goals seem more achievable. Whereas (laughs) it's just one more of these, right? Um, is yeah. that a way to kind of make you think, oh, growing by a hundred units, that's just, that's just two gold packages in a whole week. Like yeah. I can do that. Or is there any other like tricks that you play to kind of like raise belief for you before or during the summer? Yeah. We talked about this beforehand. Like what were some of like the, what are those like little mindset tricks that you play with yourself? Cause everybody's yeah. different. So you have to figure mm-hmm. out what, what helps you break that belief barrier before you go and yeah. do it. Cause you yeah. have to have belief beforehand. And, um, a lot of times when I used to think about belief, I was just, I was so confused. You know, all these people talk about belief, like just yeah. believe you can do it and then you can do it. <laughs> believe and you'll achieve. Yes. But how, you know? So, yeah. uh, yeah, breaking it down, like, okay, you had, I had like 120, 130 customers my first summer. So it's like one and a half a day or, or two a day. I was like, well, man, if I could just, if I just had. Two, three customers a day. If I could just get one more customer in gravy that I normally wouldn't have gotten and maintain that same package size that I had, then I'll hit my goal or whatever it is, you know, yeah. having that little, like, you know, day by day 
thing that you've got your sights on instead of just the the goal itself automatically takes a lot of the pressure off and then yeah. it also makes it more believable for yourself yeah totally it's like it's like the more Dutley thing, right? Where it's like easier to take a, a bite of an elephant each day versus like eating the whole elephant yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, cool. So let's jump into the, so after your second summer, 5,600 units. Um, and then your third summer is when you jump from that to like 13,000 or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So I thought like, I thought I did a pretty good job growing by like 6,000 units. And then you came the next summer and grew by like 8,000. So how do I was you- just pissed. I was just pissed that you grew by 6,000. So I, I just want to kill Jack. <laughs> you succeeded. So <laughs> how, uh, so walk me through that from like, cause it's one thing to grow by 4,000 units. And then it's, it's another thing to the next summer, like double how much you grew by to eight that like grow by 8,000 to like the number one yeah. in that year, 13,000. I mean, so that's kind of a, was it lessons learned from how you grew your second summer or was it different things you focused on or how did you again, raise your level of belief right after that? Cause sometimes after we achieve a lot, we kind of like, it's easy for a lot of us to be like, Oh, cool. That is huh, I'm where I'm at. You know, you grew by 4,000 units and then doubled that growth. So how did you, how did you mentally get yourself to, cause I know a lot of people when they grow a lot, they'll set a big goal, but then it's usually like not followed through with action to achieve that goal. So how did you get yourself to a point where you believed and then knew what to follow through for the growth of the third summer? Yeah. Well, it's pretty easy to not feel like you're the man when nine other people sold 10,000 units and somebody just broke the record and sold 20,000 units and quadrupled what you just did, you know? Yeah, true. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Emil sold 20,000 units. I sold 5,000. I was like feeling great, you know, and um, not to knock the success that I had that summer and anybody's success that summer by what he did, but it was just like the lid of belief was lifted. Yeah. And so it's, it's easy to not get stagnant and stale when people are quadrupling, you know, your production. And then also, <laughs> also um, a lot of respect for that guy. Like awesome, awesome person, yeah. awesome human, not just a salesperson, just a great guy in general. Yeah. But um, that uh, third summer, I set a goal for 12,000. Again, hard to believe. But the way that I set it was uh, I took my best week from my second summer, which was about 900. And I just said, you know what, if I just was consistent with that my entire third summer and I worked for 14 weeks, that'd be about 12,000 units. Yeah. Again, with a little bit of luck that goes into it, obviously I prepared, like I, I, uh, I think even maybe even we did a PC. I can't remember exactly who, but I just reached out to everybody that sold 10,000, picked their brains. I'll take credit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> reason <laughs> that's the reason um but yeah just but came with like a list of questions and the things that i needed to work on it wasn't just like so jack like how'd you do it man yeah because that's you know he could give you a bajillion things to work on and then yeah. your focus is going to be all over the place i just knew that i had to increase my customers my package size was fine yeah i just needed to increase my customers by like 200 in order to hit that goal and now that <laughs> That's intimidating. Okay. But I had this conversation with um, 
a guy that just sold like 8,000 units his third summer and he had increased, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll shield. And we were talking, he's just like, yeah, man, yeah. you know, he's like, you can just talk books sometimes. And I was like, what do you mean by that? So I like, like asked him a bunch of questions. How did you increase customers by like 200, you know? Cause to me, that was hard to believe. And he's like, yeah. you know, and he kind of gave me the outline for how to do it. Yeah. And came with a game plan and, you know, your game face on and you just, you work all summer, you know, yeah. from the second that you step foot in the HQ and, and the first week I was living with Alex Har, So that was awesome. We had competition. He went out, hit more the second week <laughs> and sold 900. And, um, that first week, so it was like, boom, belief barrier lifted. You know, I just did what I, my best week for my second summer and, and he was beating me. So it was like, okay, so there's that perspective. So it's like, I was in a great living situation. My, my roommates are kicking butt, you know? So I, I feel like it was just like the perfect storm a little bit. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. Like, like your area, you feel like you're prepared. You're, you know, you're meeting people where they're at. You're using Facebook well, and your head's in the ball game. And then you've got some good, you know, healthy competition. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. Yeah. So <clears throat> going, it sounds like one thing I'm learning and appreciating is, uh, you're not overcomplicating this thing, you know, you're like, um, cause like, at least I say it in, in, to rookies in interviews, like this job is simple, but it's not easy all the time, you know? And, uh, sometimes I feel like people can think someone like you or, you know, the, some of the Europeans are like doing super complex stuff, <laughs> but it, it can sometimes really just be way simpler than that. Um, it's just not easy to maintain that focus and coachability and discipline and, and all that for an extended period of time. So I guess that leads me to kind of one of the next things I, I wanted to ask you about, because it, it's easy to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I've sold 900 before, so I can do that again. And right. if I just do that all summer, then 12,000 units, I mean, that's easy math, right? Already done. <laughs> yeah. So, but, and then also growing by 200 customers, but obviously like, I'm a firm believer, at least personally, that for someone to sell at least 10,000 units the first time for sure, they have to be focused for every goal period, every week, all summer long, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that it takes that, like being like, getting your mind, huh? I said, that's intimidating me just thinking of this next summer. You know? Yeah. But like, and I mean, I think um, obviously like, I'm sure they're like, and you know, I don't know, but I'm sure like once you get a, a certain level of skill, you know, for like maybe the, some of the Bulgarians or something, maybe it doesn't as much, but I feel like for someone to do it the first time, it, it, it has to have that level of focus. Right. Yeah. And uh, so for yeah. you, what kind of tricks do you play on yourself or like systems do you create in your mind or another way to think about it is like operating systems, like uh, in your right. brain that make you operate a certain way. Cause I heard you even just say it a second ago where like, and then it's just go to work for 14 weeks period. Kind of like the Dave Rosen advanced sales where he's like, when you get out there during the summer, you're student manager for 14 weeks. Yeah. You're working 14 weeks period. Right. <laughs> no off days, you know? And so like for you, what kind of like mental tricks do you play? And do you have the same philosophy, I guess, about having to be laser focused for every goal period you're out there all summer? Is that kind of the way you think about it? Or yeah. How do you get yourself into that game face on 
because I know you taught a part to my group last year and I'm talking too much, but I'm trying to, I want to make sure I'm explaining what I'm thinking about, but you talked about turning the switch on, right? So like, what does that look, how do you do that? And in a way that could be explained to like, I don't know, me or anyone. Yeah. 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 That tape, I actually listened to that tape a lot my third summer. Uh, That was awesome. But yeah, he talks about, Bill Zizzi talks about, you know, when you're sitting down with a family and you're giving a sales presentation, you know, a train could come through the living room, Yeah, but you don't, you know, take your eyes off of Mrs. Jones. You got that laser beam focus, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's hilarious to think about and to listen to, but it's true. You know, uh, it's just like, how, how do you keep that laser yeah. beam focus all the time? Mm-hmm. And it is, systems. it's, it's implementing on Sunday, a game plan. It's like, mm-hmm. Todd McCorder taught us this part where you take a, if anybody doesn't know, Todd's a stud, he's old sales manager, 10,000 unit producer, you know, all that good stuff. But you basically, you take a piece of paper like this. On one side, you write down your goals for the week. And on, on the other side, you write down your plan, right? And so every Sunday, that's what I would do is, okay, what are my goals for the week? You know, customers, units, logons. Don't forget the logons. Customers, units, logons. We sell books and apps. And then, you know, breaking that down. How many customers do I need this week to hit my goal? How many, how big does my package size need to be to hit that goal? And then it's daily goals. And then you can even break it down to goal periods or before lunch, after lunch in gravy. How much do I need to hit? Mm-hmm. And having that plan, like for me, what worked is literally just writing laser beam focus, taping it on my steering wheel and looking at it all day. You know, I get back in the car when every time I honk the horn, when I pull up to a house, I go beep, beep, laser beam focus. And then you're just, you're going, you know, and it's like, people talk about the flow state. Hopefully everybody's experienced that at at least one point. It doesn't even have to be over the summer. It could be, you know, you're writing an essay, you know, you're, or you're, you know, playing sports or or basketball, your shots just hitting every single time. And you were confident, you know, that next shot is going in. That's a cool feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's figuring out, okay, how do I get myself in that headspace? When am I at my best? What, what, what am I doing? You know, what are, what are my habits? What's my morning ritual? Um, what am I saying to myself throughout the day? Do I listen to music? Does that get me off track? It's like doing a deep dive into yourself and getting to know what systems motivate you. And that makes it really fun because then it takes the pressure off of, okay, I've got to be laser beam focused for the entire summer. It's just, I wonder how I work, like what motivates me, you know, and that stuff, it's not just going to work over the summer. It's going to work for the rest of your life, you know? Yeah. It's like knowing when to turn on an advanced sales, when to self-talk, when to listen to music, even those simple tricks like that can have a massive effect on your life. Yeah. You know, I, know, I know there's people on here that are like, no music till gravy. I'm not that guy. I'm like music all day or yeah. advanced sales or something or self-talking, you know? Yeah. And I think sometimes that can, that can change, right? Like over time at different stages of where you're at, you know, um, like for, I love that you had the laser. That was every day, your third summer, the laser beam focus thing. 
Not every day, but I, I, I remember it being on my steering wheel for Most a while. Things. Okay. Yeah. Cause that, that's really refreshing to me. I remember I, I used to listen to, uh, like Dustin's keynote for the, for the first three weeks. I listened to only his keynote, <laughs> literally only all day. And it was too, like, it was because my <laughs> thing for the summer was to both like have incredible focus. So it was like, I'm going to be so focused that I'm going to listen to the same thing for three weeks straight, you know? Cause he has this one thing in there where he talks about like the power of your brain when you like have the magnifying glass over an ant, like it focuses it, you know, it focuses the sun's power. So yeah. like when you have your brain and you can focus like what you're capable of is unbelievable, you know? And uh, so it's cool to me that you, that was one of your big focuses that summer. Cause I think, I think that's, that's huge. Now for you though, with being, having that laser beam focus, you mentioned like your morning ritual, you mentioned this plan, you mentioned your, your game day game plan for each Sunday. So going into the summer, did you have all that stuff <laughs> planned out? Like what your morning ritual was going to be, what you were going to yeah. listen to during the day, what your um, game plan was going to try to be for each week, what you were going to do on Sundays to get ready. You had all that decided before the summer. Yeah. I wouldn't go as far as to say that every single day was planned out. Like how I'm going to, now some people like Rao talks about every day he listened to a different playlist. He wouldn't listen to music yeah. till gravy. And, and then on Saturdays he would listen to music. Yeah. So um I guess I wasn't that detailed, yeah. right? I would just kind of listen to myself, like, okay, what do I need right now to, to get me going? Some people are like, I only self-talk for the first three weeks. I respect that. I think that's a phenomenal habit to build, right? And then listen to, you know, listen to Dustin's keynote for three weeks, get your mind right, get your habits going, and then start listening to music. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. And if that works for you, great, or at least try it, you know? Yeah. I think the number one thing is getting your self-talk going, getting yourself in a good headspace and where do, how do I operate at my best? So for me, I knew I had to take that hour to myself on Sundays. That was a non-negotiable. I do not go, you would go through your game plan of your goals for the week. And then your, your plan for accomplishing them. Plan for accomplishing them. And then I would write out, like, I would journal basically for like 20 minutes. What were my wins this week? Where did I do super well? Edgar talks about this. You, you write basically as much as you possibly can about what you're doing well, because you get what you focus on. Mm. And then maybe a couple things that you could work on. Okay. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after that's done, after you create your plan, then I would visualize it. Like, how does that look? Okay. What am I doing tonight? I'm meal prepping, getting all my stuff together. What's going to alleviate the most amount of pressure waking up tomorrow morning. So it's getting all my stuff done on time, knowing where I'm going to work, having a backup plan for if I can't work in that area. Mm. Hey, when am I going to have to switch turf? What, at what point do, do I, I think that turf's going to run out? Okay. Where am I going to go to next? Okay. If there's a permit there, where am I going to go to after that? Right. So it's just like thinking ahead to the problems that you could run into when you're out there. Cause when it's the middle of the day and then you realize, oh my gosh, I already knocked on all these houses. I'm talking to the same people. You don't want to have to make that decision then you want to know okay, well, today I'm going to go break that new turf. And then at gravy, I'm going to go back to my old turf. It's just little things like that, like minor details like that. Um, and then also just how am I going to feel? Like, uh, I don't negotiate cold showers. I you just do them, you know, you yeah. negotiate cold showers. You don't negotiate self-talking in the morning. It's like, that's, that's a habit. You got to build that. Um, I would then take all that stuff, right? 
And then I would like write my goal on a little index card. I got this from Shane. First time I ever followed him. Yeah. He was into uh, the, uh, the vapor meditation or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. But uh, I, uh, you know, put on some lo-fi music or whatever, just visualize that goal, how it's going to feel throughout the week. Yeah. And just shred it up, shred up the goal and just let go. Just let everything happen. Everything's going to happen exactly how it's supposed to. And, you know, believing in a higher power helps, you know, you know, it just does. So, you know, knowing everything's part of a bigger plan, this is just a small thing in the grand scheme of things. If you put your, a lot of pressure on yourself. Now, if you don't put a lot of pressure on yourself, you might have to tell yourself, all right, dude, this is the most important week of your life. You know, if you're feeling like, if you're feeling like you're getting lackadaisical. So it's like just those little games that you play with yourself. Yeah. Putting too much pressure on yourself to say, eh, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to worry about this. And, you know, at the end of the summer, but if you're, you know, being lazy, then it's maybe today's the most important day of my life. I might impact a family that I, you know, never would have if I don't bring my best self. Yeah. And obviously you're going to have off days and you're going to have goal periods and doors where it's just not clicking. Everybody goes through that, but it's just working through it. You will always find flow through just working through that. Yeah. And then in the morning, you know, it's the same thing, breakfast spot, like memorizing your names, putting your names into photo albums. If you're not showing photos at the door, I think, you know, that's, that might be the next thing that you do this next summer is you should yeah. show more or that could be your, your slight edge, you know, totally. and it's, it's the little things. And part of it is just part of just having a ritual just makes you feel good. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, so it's partially placebo. You just kind of trick yourself into, okay, if I just follow my morning routine, I'm going to yeah. have a great, you know, mm-hmm. Definitely. So yeah, I mean, that's really good. So two more questions about this follow-up question. So morning ritual. So for you, that's like cold showers, morning self-talk. Is there anything else you do in the morning where it's like, before you start your day, you're kind of like, all right, I'm performing like my best self. Like today's going to be a great day because I did these things. Like what, what, what's on that list? Well, you can't forget execs. You got to do execs. I would, I would pay to watch a video of your execs. You don't want to see it, but third <laughs> third summer execs. Those are some legendary times. But thank God nobody had a recorder, you know, or like a camera, or maybe somebody did. So never... house waitress. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I just kind of take a moment before I go knock on my first door, pull my car over to the side, and you know, set my intention for the day. It's just like deep breaths. Why am I out here? What am I going to accomplish today? What are my goals? And then tear it up again and just let it happen. You know? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, especially when people are following you, them seeing you with a morning routine and like that ritual, just, yeah. um, I feel like that really helps them too. Also knowing that for everybody going into their second summer here, second and third summer, knowing that other people are counting on you to do well. Not yeah. to do well results wise, but to do the job the right way, you know, yeah. to put the work habits in there. And I think it's a really cool experience, especially your second summer to get followed mm-hmm. and give a first year a bunch of confidence and, you know, PC them all day. And and then you have to learn how to, you know, there's just so much growth yeah. in the job. It's like, and you have to learn, okay, how do I stay focused while this person's following me all day? There's a lot of annoying <laughs> things that they're doing, but I just don't, you know, got to stay focused on this. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. You just learn how to, you know, you learn how you work and what yeah. motivates you. 
Yeah, totally. And I mean, and part of that obviously just takes time. Like you try stuff and it doesn't work. I, I remember some summers where I was like, all right, this Sunday, this is my focus and it didn't work at all. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes like you got to figure that out. Okay. So <clears throat> with just time and practice. So, all right, last question for this. So for during the week, okay. So we talked about the game plan on Sunday and the game plan before the summer of what your summer is going to look like. So during the week, it's Wednesday, three o'clock, your mind is wanting to wander right? Like, uh, I know there were tricks I had to play on myself to like, get myself like locked in, you know? So yeah. What do you do to keep laser beam focus when, cause I feel like obviously there's a portion of everyone who just needs to do the physical work, but a lot of us, it's the laser beam focus. That is, if we just did that for more goal periods, we'd have a better summer. So how do you, what are some of the tricks you play on yourself or decisions you make during the day? What do those look like to keep that focus when we want to think about something random or like be uh, like choose to be lazy mentally on purpose? Yeah. Yeah. I perform my best when I'm having a ton of fun. You know, that's just me. Some people, they got to be like locked in, you know, every family gets my, you know, you know, still smiling and happy. And this is just what works for me. Yeah, yeah. This may not work, but I have a ton of fun out there. Like if I'm not having fun, I'm not enjoying the job. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a million, there's a million different things that you could do over the summer to have fun, you know, especially when someone's following you do not mess up the opportunity to, you know, show that person a really fun day and that the job can be, you know, yeah. crazy, you know, be crazy, but super fun. Not in a disrespectful way, obviously to the families, but yeah, it's just, you know, when Rao talks about, you know, the, the three-legged dog story, you know, find your three-legged dog over the summer or like every day, like find that there's a million situations over the summer. They're just like, what, what just happened here? You know, you walk out of the house, you're like, that was crazy, you know? And sometimes we're so focused on ourselves and our own goals and putting pressure on ourselves that we just don't notice how hilarious the book field is. Like, it's crazy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, inside of people's homes the things that they say like the dogs that they have even i'll like take pictures like we had a <laughs> my roommate mason hankel and i my second summer in kentucky we had a bet like how many <laughs> how many dogs we could find with tumors on them and we had to take oh pictures <laughs> just looking back it's like so stupid but that like kept us motivated and then when we came home we're like dude how many pictures did you get <laughs> um and no, if it's like the third person approach, yeah, you know, um, or things like that when people are following. And then also, so it's like having fun. And then also when you're really kind of, you know, when things really hit the fan over the summer yeah. and tough things are happening, just keep in perspective. Like one thing that Alex Har shared with me that really helped me, um, he probably shared with me my first summer, but really helped me my second, third, and this past summer too, is just thinking about, how much you're sacrificing to be out there in the first place. Yeah. And thinking about, you know, those days where you really don't want to do it. It's just like, everybody goes through that, man. Some people it's the first day. Some people it's the seventh week, you know, six weeks. Some people it's the whole summer. They have a moment, you know, daily where it's like, man, this is tough, but I got to stay motivated at the task at hand. And one yeah. thing that he was, well, what would you be doing if you were at home anyway? You know, I'd probably be, what, what would I be doing today if I wasn't working? I'd, you know, be sitting on the couch, watching Netflix, maybe drinking a White Claw, 
wishing I was probably here or wishing I was somewhere else. You know, yeah. it, I think it's, it's a like learning how to master and I'm nowhere close to this, but learning how to master being where you're at and like being present and just like gratitude, feeling grateful for the experience that you're going through right now. It's like, that's a superpower. And if you can tap into that daily and especially at those times where it's difficult, you're going to have a kick-ass summer. Like even if you don't get that little technique or that ninja trick or what's the best fourth close, like how do you reclose after this and this and this, but you can just be present and not just act like you want to be there, but you do want to be there and you're enjoying spending time with family, like with families, interactions at the door, big smile, cracking jokes. Like you are just a person that's exciting and fun to be around. Yeah. And people want to spend time. You're going to, you're going to have a great summer. You know, it doesn't matter all those little technical things that you could, (laughs) you master that skill that that'll, you know, rocket you. That is a such a refreshing thing to hear. And it makes it just like thinking of that idea just makes my heart happy. I'm like, man, I, that's something I can work on again next summer. Cause it, it is true. And it's just like, it's a, you're right. Cause what you said where you're like sitting on the couch, probably wishing whether you were there or anywhere else too. You know? <laughs> and how badly have we all formed the habit of wanting to be doing something different than what we're doing? It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's like <laughs> thing. Yeah. And so not it's like, doing that thing, you know. And yeah. And what we do during the summer, it is fun and cool. And it's like it's such a unique, cool experience, like to be grateful for. So man, that's a really cool perspective. Um that's that was good. Okay. So all right, let's let's jump on to something else. So all right, we got we probably have like what 10 minutes left or something. Sounds good. Okay. Because I want to, there's a couple other things I want to ask you about this stuff. But I also want to dive into some of the recruiting stuff. I don't know what I want to talk about next. All right, let's talk, let's jump into this first. What do you say? It's a fire away. Okay, so let, let's start with let's start with um, or let's go to recruiting. So obviously, I don't know how many people know stuff about your recruiting story or like your story with recruiting, and I, I honestly don't know all of it either. But uh, so I know that recruiting hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows for you. Um, Hate that. And, <laughs> and I don't, I think you, this is, you've full-timed what once before, or the, that was your second time last year? Quasi. Yeah. Quasi. Okay. So walk me through kind of, um, I don't know exactly how they worked out, whether you ended up, you know, a couple of those years recruiting, bringing one or bringing zero people. Um, but obviously one thing I want to ask you about is how you were able to bounce back from that and still give everything focus wise during the summer. But then two, what you learned, the lessons you learned about yourself in those that you want to, that you're focusing on right now and wanting to continue to grow in and develop for yourself and, um, lessons like younger full-timers and younger recruiters can learn from some of the mistakes you've made of, you know, cause I think a lot of people see you in your selling success and are like, man, Roy is a perfect book man, <laughs> you know, but what, what, and maybe just perfect man in general, but what, uh, what do you think, <laughs> what are some of the things that other people can learn from some of your failures that you don't get to talk about on stage as much? Yeah. Yeah. I should, I should do that more. Um, I guess that the answer 
the first one. So just like kind of just to give like a history. Mm -hmm. uh, going into my second summer, I recruited four of my buddies. Two showed up to sales school. Um, both were early champions. One of them turned virtual and then the other one week one. So I called up Shane, you know, like I would do. <laughs> Shane, dude, they left, you know. <laughs> He's like, well, you know, every time somebody uh, leaves over the summer for me, it's like, well, I guess I'll just replace whatever they were going to sell, you know. And I was like, okay, cool. See ya. You know, so that was <laughs> like the mindset. And then um, third summer was COVID. Oh, no, that, that was my second summer. Third summer was kind of COVID recruiting. I did it all through Zoom. Uh, yeah. I think I recruited like three of my friends. Everything was through Zoom. And then I recruited maybe like four people from CU, like that signed. Um, yeah, signed or nobody shot sales school though. Mm -hmm. So that was like a knife to the chest. Yeah. And in all honesty, I wasn't putting in the work to bring a big team. And I, I one thing that I, uh, I, I lacked that was... Uh, that I became self-aware of, which I think made the whole process worth it, even not being successful, was I knew that I lacked uh, empathy mm. and ownership. And uh, empathy for people's situations, I was super selfish for the reasons I was doing it. Um, and I think I think I treated the recruiting like this like the sales side of the job and that's one thing i'm breaking out of is not treating people like a transaction yeah. like conversations being like a transaction it being a close it being a sale like got the da now i'm done you know yeah. <laughs> that's the farthest thing from the truth um and just getting better with people empathizing listening you know asking good questions being interested in people you know and what yeah. their goals they want to accomplish that was probably the biggest feedback i got and that was the toughest pill to swallow was lacking empathy. Like who, who wants to lack empathy, you know? Yeah. It's not, it's not a good feeling. And through, yeah. So I, I guess that those were like the biggest things. Then last summer I brought. Can, can I ask you a follow-up on that one real quick before we jump into last summer? So yeah. how, how did you, cause I feel like sometimes with my failures, I want to blame it on the way Southwestern is. <laughs> And like, the, you know, this job's hard and, you know, just like, you know, oh yeah, I mean like that, ah, oh, that's so hard to get people to sales score or whatever um, right. in my past, especially. So was it immediate that you were like, oh, I failed because I didn't have empathy or like, how did you take, like, let yourself feel that personal failure and pain versus like pushing it off on something else? What was that well, process like? I definitely played victim in the blame game for sure. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is the toughest thing ever. Who the hell wants to do, you know, it's just like, I mean, like all the things I thought all the things I probably said all the things it was. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's all there's, there's partial truth and everything, you know, it's like, yeah, it is challenging. It's hard to bring people to sales school, but what's, what's the common denominator here? Hmm. You know, yeah, this guy, you know, so it's like, um, yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow. It's still tough even now not to push it to the side and, and all that stuff and not work through those things. This is actually a good reminder to keep working through those things. Cause those are, you know, it's an infinite game, but, yeah. 
yeah, I think honestly, my third summer, I was just like, mm, well, that was a fluke, you know, and uh, like at sales school, Shane was just like, I was like, man, I, recruiting, blah, 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 this and this and this. And Shane, you know, in his common tone was just like, hey, look, man, doesn't matter now. We'll talk about it at check-in. Okay. You just go out, sell a ton or whatever he said. <laughs> He probably said something like, do your best, you know, in my <laughs> mind, it was all the time. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then we'll talk about it at check-in, you know, and, uh, and that's kind of what, you know, yeah. So I, I can't remember exactly the emotions I felt or those things. I'm sure I blamed Southwestern. I'm sure I blamed the situation and circumstances, but ultimately owning up to it and yeah. accepting that, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because I did one of these with Alex, like ARC, and um, and that was something we talked about a lot. Where it's like after those failures, sometimes it's like we want to blame everything but ourselves, you know, because <laughs> it's so much pain to accept that like I am selfish and that's why I failed at yeah. something I gave three months worth of effort to, you know. Yeah. And yeah. that's like a pretty painful thing, but if you push it off, then you have no power, you know, but if you accept ownership and failure, then you have power over changing the situation in the future. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I didn't want to skip over your process there, but okay. So that was your going into your third summer, then going into last summer, walk me through that one. Um, I think I recruited, I probably got like five DA signed and then brought uh, one to the field. He finished. So it was the first person that finished that. Mm -hmm. Oh, kind of good uh <laughs> getting better no but it was it was great it was really cool to see his uh his name's weston like to see his growth from from the beginning of the summer all the way through and just the obstacles he overcame and being able to play a part in that was was awesome like knowing that if i wouldn't have floated him at uccs he wouldn't have been out there yeah and it was really really cool experience but still you know one person you know so obviously it's a uh, it's it's a developing thing that I've been working through and working on is how to be an attractor, how to be someone that people want to follow and, you know, how to be a leader, you know? Yeah, definitely. So I guess, so the third summer you were, you realized that you need to grow in empathy and you need to grow in ownership or was, was that, what it, was there anything different you learned your fourth going into your fourth summer with recruiting or was it kind of the I think same it was the, thing? Yeah, I think it was the same obstacles, same, yeah. same problems. You know, I, I made a, I made a separation. So what I, what I would do is I'd be like, well, selling on the field is one thing. I'm good at that, you know? So but recruiting, that's like different, you know, mm -hmm. that's not sales, that's recruiting. So why do I have to get good at that? I could just, <laughs> you know, I could just sell and just be a salesperson, you know, and I'll figure out recruiting later and, and all, all that stuff, mm -hmm. which part of that's true. That's why we buy into it. It's like, yeah, you could go figure that stuff out later, but if given the opportunity, why not at least, you know, try to sharpen your sword as much as possible while you're here. So that way, when you do have to go through, hopefully, you know, everything has a learning curve or a dip. It's like, go through that dip now. So whatever the next thing you do, you know, you're a lot better at it because you sharpen your sword, you, you know, hit the stone 900 times and you just got to hit it like 50 more times to be the, you know, the best at it. Yeah. Totally. Get a better version of yourself going into it. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. 
Okay, cool. Thanks for sharing. And thanks for being willing to dive into that. Um, and then for you, I guess one, the last follow-up question with this stuff is, cause obviously there's probably some failure and pain with that stuff. Right. So how have you mustered courage to dive back into that stuff? Um, cause I know sometimes like it's hard to muster courage to dive into things that, cause it'd be really easy to just be, you know, to not dive back into things that we gave effort yeah. and didn't feel that. So how have you, how do you process that, um, and choose that versus like something else? I mean, I have great mentors, man. Great people to look up to Shane's my student manager. Like he's done so much for me and I just, I emulate or try to emulate a lot of the things that he does. And, you know, he really practices what he preaches, man. Like he's like, he's a great leader, you know? So having tough conversations or him being willing to have the difficult conversations played a big factor into that. And then, you know, there's a huge support system of people. So uh, I don't think it was, obviously it wasn't just me. Like it wasn't just me coming up with the idea of, I've got to have the courage to do this again. Sometimes it's like there were times where I was so closed mind. Like there's, (laughs) there's still are times, you know, (laughs) where I'm so closed minded, you know, I, I'm like, I make like a pact to myself never (laughs) that again, you know? And then over time, it just like, it's like, okay, well, this is, this is the best thing I could be doing right now. So the only thing that's holding me back is myself. I mean, I even remember having a conversation with myself after or before the key persons after my second summer because so i was like i'm two and done second summer i'm out okay that was a fun experience <laughs> yeah, and shane's shane's coaching was going into my second summer was well at least squeeze the juice out of this one and i was like okay well that makes sense and then i remember having a conversation i was like i don't want to talk about this until key persons like don't ever don't bring it up don't want to talk about it yeah and uh, before key persons i was talking to myself in the shower i was like and you just got to do it, man. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, like, you know, you've got to, you know, you've got to do this. You know, this is your best option, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And sometimes it's like those, you know, like Virgie talks about three seconds of courage, just make a decision. Yeah. Make it the right decision. And, um, you know, it, it's tough. You're going to doubt yourself. You're going to wonder why, why the heck did I decide to do it again? And all those things, you're going to go through the same emotions that you went through the last year. And what made you want to quit on yourself then? And you've got to find a way to switch up your systems, have those conversations, take ownership and like attack it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, sweet dude. This was all really good stuff. I got, if you're cool with that, I got like a couple speed round questions. I'll ask you real quick. Um, so fun. one is what's the, what are the one or two things you're working on right now this semester that you're like the most focused on? Recruiting. Yeah. yeah recruiting. I, I think, for me, it's just like becoming like getting really good at listening to people and listen, not just to what they're saying, but what's behind what they're saying. Yeah. So again, it's like kind of comes back to empathy and then just taking ownership of my situation and, and where I'm at. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. And then uh, two, if you had one book to recommend to like a B or a C or someone in Southwestern, what, what would you recommend? One book. Or if you have a couple, that's fine too. Hold on, give me a sec. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I know like some, <clears throat> obviously. What, about, what, are you, what are you reading right now? Or like what books? Um, So Jacob recommended the 5 a.m. club. So I read that one. I read a book called Own Your Day, Own Your Life by Aubrey Marcus that was pretty good. 
And then I'm reading one right now that it's called the science of fear that I thought I could get some, get some good knowledge from. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then I got like a long list on my phone that I'm always trying to add new books to. So this is, this one's a little, this one isn't a book, but this is an audio that I listened to basically my entire second and third and also this summer. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, heard of the, you know, Shane talks about Michael Singer. Yeah. 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 Um, they're called the untethered soul lecture series collection. Okay. Not, cool. Not to nerd out, not nerd out on you, but <laughs> there's eight volumes. So it's going to take three audible credits to buy it, but I definitely highly recommend it. And then also, um, so, and real quick, if people are diving into the Michael Singer world, do you recommend them starting with the lecture series or starting with like the surrender experiment and then untethered soul and then the lectures or. Uh, I would not recommend them listening to the surrender experiment over the summer. Cause it's just like, it's hard to, there's a lot of stories in there. It's just a lot of stories about his life. That's kind of like a sit down and read it, yeah. you know, uh, untethered soul. I think I've definitely listened to that over the summer. I think that one, that one's good. He also has. Uh, this one's not on audible, but it's called, um, bringing spirituality to the workplace. Mm. That one's really good. It's like applicable to your day-to-day -day experiences yeah. that you have how to overcome those things. Yeah. Um, they're all great books. I think the guy's phenomenal, but then another one, I'm guessing you've read those too. Uh, I read the untethered soul and I read the surrender experiment. I haven't read, I haven't listened to the lecture series or the spirituality to the workplace one. Okay. Well, I just finished uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, Frankel. that one's classic. Yeah, dude, that's a trip. I mean, that's perspective, right? <laughs> yeah. Talk about perspective. So that's a great book. It's like, you know, it's about the Holocaust and Auschwitz, and he was a, you know, a prisoner in the concentration camps, and he was a doctor, and like how they got through that, and then also um, like the training that came from that and what he learned from the experience and yeah. about psychology of you know how people work and it's all about finding your purpose basically it's like finding your purpose and your passion to live and what how yeah. do you find your purpose and what you know what helped the people survive that yeah. you know and one thing that's interesting about the book is they could always tell who was who that's gave that. up themselves yeah. by who gave into their pleasures and I thought that was interesting when it came to like uh, if they saw someone smoking a cigarette, they're like, Ooh, he might not have much left, you know? Wow. So yeah. Kind of an interesting thought. Like if you just, if you're giving into your, you know, lower self over and over and over again, it might mean yeah. that you're sort of lose your, your purpose or your vision. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, and I've definitely noticed that in myself too. When it's like, I, it's like, I always feel my best and the most driven, the most mission focused when I'm like, you like utilizing the least pleasures, you know, and being the most disciplined. But like when I'm like, oh, I deserve all these pleasures, <laughs> I uh, can quickly lose lose sight of what's important. So yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, okay, like, sweet dude, this was a lot of fun. What were you gonna say? I was just saying it's like doing the tough things, like taking a cold shower. You always feel better after that. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, dude, this was great. Thank you. Appreciate you taking the time and hopping on. This was cool. Yeah, I appreciate you putting on the late Thank show you. with Jack Miller. <laughs> uh, you need to get your FM DJ voice going too. Yeah, I need to get like a like a spin name or something, you know, like a yeah. DJ name, DJ Jazzy Wheeler or something like that. You know, that's something. really good. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> I, we'll end it there with that that fire bar from Roy. <laughs>